guys, we're doing a series from 2 Peter. I told you it's one of my favorite books. I've often wondered how to preach through this book. And I feel the time is right, especially in our culture and our world today. We're doing a series called Faith in a Hostile World. Yeah, you say, that's timely, George. Well, what we think is hostile is not necessarily hostile. It's normal. What you see on the news and the culture and everything. But actually, the reality is, is that there are things that are hostile to your faith. There are threats that threaten you, and it's not the outside world. It's actually a lot closer than you realize. Chapter 1 we're going to look at, and we've been looking at here, looks at the fact that you are threatened by your ignorance of salvation. You're threatened by your ignorance of the truths of salvation. Number two, you and I are threatened by the influence of false teachers who are among us. And then number three, we're threatened by not understanding the hope that we have in Jesus returning. We see that in chapter three. So we've been looking at these threats and looking at how to address them. Specifically, we've been looking at how to address that first one, which has to do with not understanding the salvation that we have been given. And so we've been working our way through this whole issue uh, in chapter 1. Now, let's talk about a little bit further. We're going to look today at verses 12 through 15. And we're going to talk about this whole issue of needing a refresher course. Now, how many of you have a job where they will occasionally send you away to make sure that your skills are honed for a refresher course? They want to make sure that you are on top of your work and you do what you do. How many of you have a job like that? Okay. Yeah, there's some of you that have that. You know, I was thinking, because I sometimes travel overseas, I was thinking about pilots. And, and so I looked it up, and I thought, well, how do pilots keep up on what's going on? And I found out, here's something that's very interesting. If you are a commercial airline pilot, you have to be tested every six months to make sure that you're up on flying however big a bird you're flying. And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty good, keeping them sharp, right? Well, here's what I found out, that in order for them to be able to do the test, they have to frequently go in and do flight simulations where they are being tested continually about whatever situation that might happen. They're continually being refreshed. They're continually taking a refresher course when they're not flying the plane, taking you somewhere. They're continually keeping up, making sure their skills are right in case an emergency happens. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. I'm going to rest and try to sleep a little bit better the next time I'm on the plane, right? Now, we don't care. We take that for granted, right? But, you know, isn't that true? You and I, as believers, need to be refreshed as well. Especially when it comes to the issue of salvation. Because why? Here's our human tendencies. I've got two things I want to share with you. Here's our human tendencies. Number one, there comes a point in everyone's life where you take things for granted. I think we're all aware of that, right? Comes a point in everyone's life where you just take things for granted. If you're married, whether you like it or not, eventually you have a tendency to take your spouse for granted. Well, they're going to do this for me, and they're going to do that for me. They've always done that for me. 
And we have a tendency to take things for granted. We have a tendency to take things for granted at work. Well, this is the way it's always going to be at work. This is the way it's always been at work. And we don't like change. Have you noticed that? That's why we get irritated. It's because we take things for granted and, and stuff just throws us out of kilter. Remember I told you last week I got thrown out of kilter because I'm cooking my eggs my certain way and my daughter says, can you throw one in for me? Because I like a soft-boiled egg and she wants hers hard-boiled. Well, how do I handle that? Because a softball has to be done first before a hardball. And, and I just couldn't, I wasn't listening to Lori about how to do it. I was just like, this isn't going to work. I just take my morning routine of what I do for breakfast for granted. Don't mess with it. And you're the same way. Here's the sad thing is, is the sad thing is for you and I spiritually, we take the same approach to our understanding of salvation. We just take it for granted that Jesus loves me. We just take it for granted that he forgives us. We just take it for granted that he died for us on the cross. We just take it for granted. And when you take things for granted, that's not good. Here's my second point. Spiritual vitality requires truth to be refreshed in your life. See, if you're going to be where you need to be in your relationship with Jesus... You need to have the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, continually being refreshed in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to, because here's the thing, our tendency is just to take it for granted, and especially in this day and age when we live in, oh, I only need to do it once, or maybe I just need to listen to the guy on the radio. Now, you, that, that's not true. You, there needs to be a whole lot more going on. And I would even say to you, it isn't even just going to church once a week and listening to one message. That's not going to get you anywhere. It needs to be you continually seeking to refresh your life throughout the week. Did you understand what I'm saying? There needs to be a sense in which if you're going to be where you need to be spiritually, You've got to refresh your life because our tendency is to just to take things for granted. Oh, I'm just going to coast. And we want to coast. Because once we get to where we think everything should be, who likes to fight more? We just want to relax. I just want to relax. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is there's no relaxing in the Christian life. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're either going forwards or you're going backwards. And that's our human tendency. So that brings us to 2 Peter. Okay? 2 Peter, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 15. But in order to understand what he's saying here in verses 12 to 15, I want to go back and look at that foundation, the foundation that he gave us in verses 2 through 11 because he gave us some truths here that you and I need to understand. So let's, let's look at these. It's going to be on the screen. Let's look at it together. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of the Lord, of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, 
to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, now here's what I want you to see. Here's the foundation. Four truths. We've been building on these truths for the last several weeks. And I just want to reiterate them because this is what he's going to refer to when we look at verses 12 through 15 here in a moment. Here's the four truths. Number one, it's the Lord's desire that grace and peace be multiplied in your life. Look at verse 2. Look at what he says there in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What's he talking about there? He's, he's basically giving a blessing that is typical for most of the letters. And always with these blessings, it's the whole issue of grace and peace. And what he's saying here is that he's praying that you and I be blessed with grace and peace that comes through what? The relationship with God and with Jesus. This is the desire that God has for you. He wants in your life and in my life for it to be marked by what? Grace? What's that? Mercy that you don't deserve? Getting what you don't deserve from God? And what? Peace. Don't we want peace? He wants to give you peace. That's why he tells you in Philippians, don't be anxious for anything, but what? Go to him in prayer and what? The peace that surpasses all understanding will what? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that's the truth. So often we wonder, well, God, what do you have for me? He wants you to have grace. He wants you to have peace in this chaos of this world you're in. That's the first truth. Here's the second truth. Second truth, the Holy Spirit gives you everything you need for life and godliness. Look at what it says in verse 3. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. What's his divine power here? He's talking about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, when you come to Him by faith, enters into your life, He lives within you, and He gives you everything you need, everything you need to live this life and to be godly. So oftentimes we think we're on our own. So oftentimes we think, well, you know, Jesus, you saved me, but how am I going to live this life? How am I going to do what you want me to do? How am I going to be what you want me to be? How can I handle this situation? You don't need to worry about that. He's given you everything. You have the Spirit of God within you. He's going to give you everything you need for this life. That's the second truth. Here's the third one. Look at verses 5 through 7. But also for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith. And so he goes through a list of things there that you add to your faith. It's interesting, that very list, a lot of those things are found in Galatians chapter 5, which are what? The fruits of the Spirit. So here's what he wants us. Here's the third truth. You must make every effort to build upon your faith. You must make every effort to build upon your faith. Now, isn't that interesting? Because our tendency is to what? Take things for granted. Our tendency is to what? 
just kind of relax. We're on a plateau. I've reached where I need to be. And let me just go ahead and say this. You want to write this down. Nobody has arrived spiritually. Nobody has arrived spiritually. You're either growing or you're going backwards. I'm just going to tell you that. If you're, In fact, you say, well, I've been a believer a lot of years. No, you're alive because God's still doing a work in your life. When he's done doing the work in your life, you go to be with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? You go to be with him. When he's finished with you, you go to be with him. But until that time, he's still doing a what? A work in your life. So let's go ahead and just acknowledge we're all works in progress here, right? Every one of us are works. We are works in project, progress. None of us, listen to me, none of us have arrived. We haven't reached perfection. You're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. And because of that, you got to make every effort to what? Build upon your faith. Now we come to the fourth truth, because we've been talking about these first three for the last few weeks. We come to the fourth truth. We looked at this last week. Here's the fourth one. You must confirm the reality of your salvation with how you live your life. Ooh. You say, is that Bible, George? Yeah, think about James. James very clearly says, you say you have faith? I'll show you my faith by my works. Just simply saying you have faith is not enough. Faith needs to be demonstrated in your life. Faith needs to come out of your life. How is that demonstrated? Well, you demonstrate it by what? The fruits of the Spirit. That's the product of God's work in your life, right? The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, kindness. All of those are reflective of God working in your life. And I've told you before, if you can sit there and be mean and miserable and grumpy and rip somebody's head off as you talk to them, I'm going to tell you right now, I can already tell, God's not doing much in your life. Do you understand? Well, I know Jesus. Well, if you know Jesus, let it be reflected in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let it be reflected in your life. So those are the foundation. That's what we're going to see here. So now we come the verses 12 through 15. He's laid that foundation in you and I's lives. Now listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Those are four things that you have to constantly be thinking about because that's the danger. The danger is you're going to forget that. That's the threat to our lives. Now we come to verses 12 through 15. Look at what it says. For this reason, okay, he's referring back to verses 2 through 11. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus showed me. Moreover, I would be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. All right, what's going on here? Well, he's going to point out the need for refreshing. He's going to point out with these verses 
why you and I, like those pilots who continually have to go in a flight simulator to keep their skills up, why you and I need to constantly be reminded about those four truths. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you have to be constantly reminded of those four truths. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I know me. I know where I'm at. I constantly have to be reminded with the first one. What do you mean the first one? That God wants to multiply what? Grace and peace in my life? I don't know about you, but I have to be constantly, almost daily, be reminded about that because stuff happens and doesn't stuff happen where you start to question, God, do you love me? God, do you care for me? I don't need to worry about that when I know what he wants to multiply in my life, right? Grace and peace. So Peter is coming along here and he's telling the people that he's writing to, those early Christians, and he's telling you and I, hey, there's a need for you to be refreshed. There's a need for you to be refreshed. And I have a role in that, he says. I have a role in that. So let me just, I'm going to point out two things to you here, okay? Here's the first one. Being reminded of these truths will stir you up spiritually. Being reminded of these truths will stir you up spiritually. Now, remember when I told you that our tendency is to take things for granted? Here's what happens when you take things for granted. You just relax. You just kind of go with the flow. You just kind of go with, with the routine, and you just kind of go through the motions. But being reminded of these truths, Peter is saying here, stirs you up spiritually. Look at what he says here. Look with me, verse 12. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it right, as long as I'm with you, to stir you up by reminding you. Now notice what he says here. I think it's interesting. Verse 2. He says, you already know these truths. And you are already established in them. So let's stop for a moment. Have I, sh those four things I just shared with you, how many of you, that's something totally new to you? You've never heard those four truths before, ever. How many of you were here and say, you know, yeah, George, I've never heard that before. Yeah, isn't it interesting? We've all heard those things before, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I've been going to church a long time. I could, I can't even count the number of sermons I've heard through the years by other preachers or on the radio or whatever where they talked about those four truths. Yeah. Well, you know what? He's saying, yeah, you already know these things. These are things that you already know. But here's the thing. I've got to keep reminding you of them so that you're what? Stirred up. Stirred up. Now, it's interesting. That word stirred, it's interesting. It appears somewhere else in the Bible. And I thought it was very interesting that the place where else it appears is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to, here's that word, stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of son, but some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. 
Isn't that interesting? Peter says, I'm going to keep reminding you of these things to stir you up spiritually. You come over to the writer of Hebrews and he's saying, let us hold fast the confession. What's that? Let us hold fast those truths and then let us what? Stir each other up. And then he tells you where you stir each other up. Where do you stir each other up, folks? By assembling together. Where's that? Oh, down at the truck stop, at the, at the buffet? No. You stir each other up when you gather together. Where do you gather together? I'm not alive today, George. Where do you, where do you gather together? What are we doing right now? Church. But I notice what the writer of Hebrews says. But some, that's not a priority. He says, don't forsake it, as is the manner of some. Do you see what I'm saying? See, the purpose in coming to church is to stir each other up in our what? Relationship with Christ by reminding each other what, folks? Those truths. Those truths. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those truths. So, so here's he's saying, look, look with me. Being reminded of these truths will stir you spiritually. Look, here's the next thing I want you to see. Verses 14 to 15. Look at what he says. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. He's talking about his death. His tent he's talking about here is his body. Okay? Knowing that I must shortly put off my tent, or tabernacle as some versions say, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease, after my departure. Okay, here's what he's saying. There needs to be an effort to remind yourself continually of these truths. you got to make an effort. What kind of effort, George? Well, you've got to decide what's the best way that you're going to continually be reminded of these truths so that you're stirred spiritually. So what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to make some decisions. Like what, George? Well, you've got to decide, am I going to take time out each day to just look and reflect on God's Word and talk to Him? Number one. Number two, am I going to make a commitment to be with God's people so that I can study the word and be refreshed and allow God's people to help stir me up in my relationship with Christ? All right, listen to me. I've been there, you've been there. So let me ask you a question. You ever find yourself in a period of time where your desire for the Lord has diminished? where your interest in the things of God have waned. Now, think about that moment. Think about that time. Maybe for some of you it's right now. Maybe for some of you it was a month ago or a year ago, whatever. But you can think back and you can think back to that time. I want to ask yourself something. Think about that moment and then I want you to think very clearly how involved were you with God's people? So I went to church. No, no, you can go to church and still be dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you're just going through the motions. But what I'm talking about is how involved were you? See, because you can go to church and leave immediately afterwards not to be involved with anybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can go to church and not get anything, but you've fulfilled your obligation. 
What I'm talking about is, is when you think about those times when your desire for the Lord has diminished, when that desire for what God wants has waned, look at yourself and say to yourself, how involved was I with God's people? Was I interacting with them? Was I taking time to be with them? Was I sharing in their pain? Were they sharing in my pain? Was I helping them when they needed help? Was I available to, for them to help me when I needed help? Was I available for them to encourage me when I needed to be encouraged? Was I available to encourage them when they needed to be encouraged? Do you understand? I can almost guarantee you that in the times when you and I are diminished in our desire for the Lord, when our desire for the things of God is almost wiped out clearly, I can almost tell you that we're not being involved with God's people. We're not being involved in the church. We're not stirring each other up. But it's only when I take the time to be with God's people and allow them to minister to me as I minister to them, then I see my desire for the Lord increase. Then I see the desire for him to come back. But if I'm going to live in isolation, I'm going to die. Can I say that? If you choose to isolate yourself from God's people, you're going to die spiritually. Bottom line. That's why we need to continually be with each other to what? Remind each other of these truths. And Peter says, look, I know that I'm going to leave. I'm going to die physically, but I'm going to ensure, he says, I'm going to ensure that you keep getting reminded of these truths. One of the things that he did to make sure that you got keep reminded of these truths is he gave you this letter. And this letter is forever a part of the gospel of the, of the Bible. There needs to be an effort to remind yourselves continually of the of this truth. Hey, so that kind of brings me back to, let me plug in, put a plug in here, those four opportunities I'm telling you about. Four things that you could be doing to get with God's people and to be stirred up. So what are you doing? You don't need to tell me. Think about it. All right, so here, what do you say, George? Well, how do we handle this? What do we do with this? Because I'm listening to you. I'm hearing these truths. I see the need for refreshing. Well, what do you do with this? I'm going to give you two thoughts as we close our time. Okay? Two thoughts. Here they are. Number one, you have to recognize the danger of taking spiritual truths for granted in your life. You have to recognize the danger of taking spiritual truths for granted in your life. You got to recognize that. Tell me something. I mentioned to you about pilots and their need for testing every six months and their need to continually hone their skills in flight simulators and facing whatever situations they face. How many of you would get on a Boeing 777 that's going to go on a 15-hour flight overseas? How many of you would get on that flight if you knew the pilot who was getting on there hadn't done anything for three years to keep up with how to handle that plane? If you knew that, would you get on that plane? No, I wouldn't get on that plane. I'd be like, I'll take the next flight, please. You wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Aren't you sure that it's going to be okay with that guy? No. 
But isn't it interesting we do the same thing with our spiritual lives all the time? Well, you know, I connected with God's people one time last month. I spent time with the Lord at least three times in the last six months privately. Really? You're on dangerous ground. I'm on dangerous ground. you got to recognize the danger of taking spiritual truths for granted. And I'll be honest with you, the enemy wants you to take those truths for granted. He doesn't want you to be stirred up. Here's the second thing. Take advantage of the opportunities that are available to refresh your life. Take advantage of them. All right, let me, let me put a plug in, okay? You're going to talk about the church app. No, I'm not going to talk about the church app. I'm going to talk about the app, although you could use the church app. That's a great tool. The Bible app. The YouVersion Bible app. In your bulletin, you'll see a little bit of discussion of how to use the YouVersion Bible app. One of the things that the YouVersion Bible app has is Bible reading plans where you can select a plan. Well, I don't know if I want to take a whole year to go through something. Folks, they have Bible reading plans that are three days long. They have Bible reading plans that might be a day long. And they cover a certain topic. And you know what the wonderful thing is? You could choose the version, like the English Standard Version or the, or the NIV, where you say, I'm not a reader. Fine, get the version Bible app with the NIV or the English Standard Version. You can push play and listen to it, tell you, read you the scripture itself, with a very distinguished voice saying it to you. Did you know what I'm saying? Take the opportunities that are available to you. You know, we have plenty of things that we offer here at the church. Take the opportunities. But here's the thing. It's up to you. You can't blame anybody else. If your life is not going where it should be spiritually, that responsibility lies with who, folks? Yourself. Bottom line. Bottom line. Because I already told you, when you look at the times when you are spiritually dry, when you are spiritually dead, I can almost guarantee you, you have no interaction with God's people at all there. None at all. So take advantage of those times for your life. Let's pray.